Thanks for joining us for another episode of the Let's Make Some Shit podcast. I'm your host, Ray, and I'm here with my lovely, beautiful, smart co-host, Resonance. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. (laughs) That was like, I needed that. That was so sweet. Thank you. You are. You're awesome. Um, So, and we're joined with like a super awesome, also beautiful guest today who I'm super excited to have on. She is one of my favorite agorists. um, And she is also a maker and a general badass. She is like the queen of side hustles and was a super big inspiration to me to, you know, work on developing my side hustles and actually devoting you know, taking time away from my day job to spend more time focusing on, you know, things that make me happy and that, you know, live a freer life. And so I want to welcome Lily Forrester to the show. How are you doing? I'm doing pretty good. I'm post-trapeze workout, so I'm all amped up for the day. (laughs) Oh, good. (laughs) Which is awesome. I love that you do that. I love seeing all your videos of doing that. Yeah, I'm realizing, like, if I were, like, a legally, like, okay person, it would not be that hard to go off and join Cirque du Soleil. And I'm over here, like, hmm, because they pay good. So, like, hmm, (laughs) maybe another side hustle. (laughs) Hey, go for it. If it makes you happy. (laughs) Exactly, exactly. So um, I guess let's start out. Did you maybe want to talk a little bit about how you came to the agorist lifestyle? I mean, I was more or less born into it, but there wasn't really a, a a term for it. Like my dad, he mostly subsisted off of side hustles and like he usually had a job, but he usually had like two or three side hustles, you know, within his like discipline, but definitely not connected to that job, definitely not taxed. And he loved those jobs because he didn't have to pay taxes on them. And then my mom was like, she bounced because she tried to be legitimate for part of my childhood, which didn't really work for her because she was a drug dealer for most of her teenagehood in my early childhood. And that's how my parents met. Um, Dad was buying weed off of mom when he was married to somebody else, actually. Uh, (laughs) So it's like this crazy story, you know, like, my parents were arrested for possession the day of weed for the, the day they found out that they were pregnant with me on their way to a concert. So I was raised in it. And then like, when I got into college, I realized like the rigid structure of just picking one thing to do with your life and discouraging of side hustles and all of that, just, it kind of made me sick. So I ended up like looking for what I felt politically, which is kind of what led me I found some book on agorism in my school, in my, in my college's library. And that was like, oh, well, that's what I wanted to, but I don't need college for that. So I dropped out of college and threw myself in face first, so to speak, and had some messy years, especially like, I don't advise jumping into agorism and into a bad relationship at the same time. Mm. Your progress is going to be much faster in your if you're in a healthy relationship or no relationship at all. Because <laughs> <laughs> really, my my biggest progress in agorism has been over the last three years, where it was just me for a while, and then this new partner who basically lets me do what the fuck I want. <laughs> it's your money, it's your time, whatever, you know. But like, I think that's important to 
to point out for people getting into it is like, I've noticed a lot of people in this community that want to be agorists or, or claiming to be agorists are also struggling because they're in really bad home situations. Get yourself out of your bad home situation. <laughs> yeah. And that makes sense. Like, cause if you have time to devote to, you know, things that are going to, you're going to better yourself and make yourself happy. It's difficult to do that. If you're focusing all of your time and energy on like trying to keep someone else from blowing up or boiling over, you know? Exactly. Exactly. It was something that I didn't like fully, you know, realize till the last couple of years, but that was one of the big things that like all that energy that went into dealing with a dramatic situation got switched into the hustles and like, it's only done good for me. <laughs> I think also so, that to really develop your side hustles, especially when you're coming from, you know, the rat race, you really got to have a support system, you know, and whether it's a significant other or friends or anybody, but just, you know, somebody to kind of, you know, champion you and, you know, assure you that what you're doing is going to be better for you because I think there's always going to be hard times, you know, making that transition or just starting any new thing in general, you know, and just having somebody there to support you instead of bring you down or having somebody else to have to worry about, you know, just also makes a big difference. Yeah. I'm actually happy that you mentioned it because I would literally be nothing without my support team system. Mm -hmm. And it's like, it's partially like friends I've made in this community. It's partially people from my old life that I've reconnected with. Like, you know, like, it's kind of silly to say, but it, it kind of means a lot with dads. Like, I'm proud of you, even though you're on the run, but you're doing cool shit. That's like, oh, yeah, that's cool. Right, Not exactly. Knows that. Not everybody has friends that they know, you know, they can depend on, basically. Yeah, I, I mean, I think also, like, you know, just having the internet and having a really strong agorist community online, you know, until those people find those internet people, you know, it can feel really yeah, lonely. Have no because work. I would have no work if it weren't for like the first person to trust me with work after the murder to actually like understand that I could do the things, you know, required mm -hmm. was Kat, Kat Bonadine, who's now producer of Anarchapulco. She was giving me writing gigs for her website, The Homestead Guru, when it didn't really have any traffic, but she knew that I needed the money and she knew that I didn't want to just like take the money. She was going to, you know, at least have me do something. And it's like, I'd have no work at all if it weren't for like the Agoras Nexus. He hired me right as I quit a job at the beginning of coronavirus, I quit a, it was a toxic job situation. The guy had drinking and drug issues. We'll just say uh, that. Yeah. <laughs> but like, it's, it's wonderful. Like the community that I've built and then that meshing with the community that I had is like, okay, so I have this big old and new agorist family that, you know, I don't think I would be able to have immersed myself in this lifestyle to the extent that I have if it wasn't for all of these people telling me I'm doing the right thing and finding ways to help me continuing to do it. <laughs> yeah, that's great. Okay, so what was what was your very first side hustle? Did you have one before you started crocheting? Okay, okay so... <sighs> you know, to find side hustle. Cause like when I was a kid, 
my aunt was paying me to take care of my diabetic grandma. And like, it was, it was hard work taking care of her. She had pancreatic cancer and she was diabetic. She medicine administering and specific meals and all of that. She was supposed to pay me way more than she did. And I really, I was slave labor most of the time, but that was the first thing I thought of as a side hustle. And then like beyond that, I, I was essentially making hemp jewelry and selling it to people that I went to school with. That was like middle school. And then like my first adult side hustle when I decided, fuck yeah, I'm doing agorism mm-hmm. was making um, hemp jewelry and selling that on campus. But only this time I was making it with glass like pendants that I was making. Cause at the time I was taking glass blowing classes, the only glass blowing classes I've actually taken to date. But, um, yeah, it was just like little things like that. You know, I sold a lot of stuff to, cause I worked at the library on campus and I sold a lot of stuff to the people I worked with there, um, in terms of like jewelry. I also sold edibles in college. If I'm being totally honest, those were a really good side hustle. Those paid the bills. <laughs> um, yeah. And then, like, I was vegetarian for a time, too, which was, like, not my happiest time, if I'm being honest. But, like, I, I got good at cooking during that time, essentially trying to replicate replicate the flavors of meat without actually adding meat. And I had, like, a little business, you know, making food for friends that were trying to be more healthy because I thought that was the healthier way at the time. Um and it just kind of, yeah, it's just been little things here and there, basically, what I, whatever skill I could monetize at the time. I've also done agorist security and stage building because, like, I was never on their payroll, but they gave me money. <laughs> awesome. I knew so. this girl who did stage building, too, so I, I've talked to her a lot about it. It's really interesting. It'd be a cool job, I think. <laughs> It's dangerous. It's dangerous. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, it's, it's it's dangerous. I've watched some people almost die. And I I didn't even, like, I didn't work, do that at the big venues. I only helped at the Agra um, Theater, oddly enough, in Cleveland. Um, uh-huh. I forgot how punny that name was. But it's like an old standing theater that's been around for like 100 years at this point. Cool. Um, but... Yeah, it was real, like, grassroots shit, but it was interesting. So how'd you get into crocheting? That was me trying to stay sane while planning Anarchoforco 2018, which is the year that we actually did Anarchoforco. Um, We were, like, we went to a hotel next to this craft store. I had lived in Mexico for, like, over a year at that point, never walked into a craft store before that. But like John was feeling essentially nice that day. So he was like, Hey, you want to go check it out? And I was like, sure. So we go in there and I realized it is literally 50 pesos to buy a crochet hook and some yarn. So I did. And then it's like 10 o'clock that night. I'm sitting there with a YouTube video, like figuring out how to do a single crochet, like, trying to make myself a hairband because I had dreadlocks at the time and the dreadlocks had so many flyaways and I hate having hair poke me in the face and stuff. So like I was motivated. (laughs) 
And then, yeah, it was one of those things where I kind of always intended that to be a side hustle. I just didn't know how long it would be before I was able to make things that, like, wouldn't fall apart. That. <laughs> well, Lily is an amazing crocheter, and I know because she's made a few pieces for me, and, like... So, so from getting from there to where you are now, you know, trying just to do a simple hairband to, I mean, you do a lot of really complex things, you know, like yeah, the octopus those, hats. Like, yeah, I was going to say, those octopus hats are insane. But how you can just, like, I'm take... I'm tired of the octopus hats. Look, I'll be honest. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've made a lot of just, like, in the last Go ahead. How you can make such like custom pieces, like looking at something and be like, I can do that. You know, I mean, that's coming a long way in, you know, in fiber arts. Honestly, I, I think like, if you're wondering like how I got there, it was, it was autistic obsession combined with previous use of psychedelics because I, I mean, I haven't been like, like some of the people I know, but like, I didn't really, like, I tried to learn crochet. I tried to learn. I even knitted when I was a teenager, but I couldn't do anything other than a scarf. And, like, I wasn't able to get my brain to work in a certain way. At the time, I didn't I didn't realize I was autistic. But one of the good things uh, that psychedelics can do for autistic people in really controlled settings, and I say controlled settings as in, like, don't buy a bunch of acid and then spin out for a month. That's not mm-hmm. controlled, like. Do a controlled dose, a lower dose to start to see how you feel and just let it change the way you think a little bit. Because I was not able to get my brain to think in a way because I knew I would love crochet as a kid, I think. But I just couldn't get my my brain to translate to my body. But when I really zone into the crochet, you know, I'm looking at shapes forming over and over the same shapes forming the same like um tension and all of those things and it all makes the experience and I don't think I would have been able to zone into it and focus on it in the same way had I not had the experience of being forced to zone out and zone into things on psychedelics specifically I think it was the LSD that really helped me learn again because I was having a hard time learning anything because of the way schooling was And then I quit school and it was like a couple of years of just like taking psychedelics like once every six months and just like trying to unravel, you know, what I figured out from that thing. And it was a couple of years ago that everything kind of started to click and I was able to. It started with recipes, for example, like I started my first craft was really food. I could not cook before I was awful at cooking. And then I really taught myself the theory of it while I was doing psychedelics every so often. And that kind of started me down the path of figuring out how the fuck I'm supposed to learn anything again. But now, like, just having my process of learning, which is based on the trivium method, but a little bit of chaos um, added in, I can, I'm, you know, really fast at learning everything that I put my mind to, whether it be WordPress or like the reason I'm so good at the circus arts so fast compared to the other girls, I think is because I'm the only one in there other than maybe one other girl who's also really good. That's done psychedelics and that, you know, learns in that way. 
It kind of like yeah. restores the passion for learning. You know what I mean? Instead of making it like a daunting thing, it becomes like a, if I don't do this, I'm going to, I'm going to explode <laughs> kind of thing. <laughs> I know that you, I think you wrote an article about it. It's kind of what you're talking about with the autism. And I, I know we've kind of talked about it before about how, having side hustles is more um, helpful for people with autism because it helped. Do you remember what I'm talking about? Yeah, I know what you're talking about. And like, yeah, I personally, the people who I know that are happiest as autistic people have a bunch of side hustles and they, most of them don't even call themselves agorists. Like there's this girl on my Facebook that I keep her around because She's, you know, a side hustler, but she's also kind of a libtard. But, but like, I appreciate how she just embraces her autistic ADHD-ness. So she is entirely, like, she sells autism pins and stuff like that that are actually, like, ones you'd want to wear. And she sells her art and stuff like that. And she, like, really, really works to make it super professional and everything. And I respect that even though she's a libtard <laughs> because like, yeah. I think, I think specifically autistic ADHD people. I mean, there's some days where I just can't do things and I don't really have control over when that is, especially if it's something to do with my cycle, you know, and mm-hmm. like, you don't get that luxury working a regular job where you have to be standing for eight hours a day. If you get overstimulated you can't go and lay in bed with your plushies for 20 minutes to decompress like I do, you know, you, right. you just got to keep fucking working. Yeah. Or like, like the way my lifestyle is part of why I do the circus arts so much is because I spend so much of my time sitting on my ass doing WordPress work or crochet that I have to do something with my body or I go a little mentally crazy. I think a lot of the anxiety and depression that autistic people deal with is because they haven't found ways to move their body that feel good enough to them. Yeah, so it's insightful. I, I can see that. These are just things that I've learned. Like I, you know, when I get, I have a little tiny silk set up in my house and when I get like, you know, emotional and moody and overstressed at work, I just go down and I stretch it out and, you know, things are better. I think that's why like companies in Silicon Valley try to make the workplace as fun as they do is because they have a lot of neurodivergent people working for them. And if you, you know, give a room that they can go take naps in and stuff like that, they're much likely, much more likely to work way harder and be way more productive. I agree. I keep telling my job they need to put in some hammocks for us. <laughs> I don't think they're gonna yeah. do it though. <laughs> I would find I would find a tree or something. I don't know what the job is, but I would find some way and just be like, you're gonna deal with this. <laughs> yeah. No, my job's actually pretty cool. They like my boss is like because there have been some times where like I just I just I just can't be here, you know, about to have like an anxiety episode or just, you know, something. And he's like, hey, anytime you need to take a mental health day, like I get it, you know, so like he's yeah, I I feel pretty lucky that they are working with me, you know, with my schedule, you know, to be able to spend some more time and, uh, you know, with with things like that. So that's what I appreciate about like because I do have a couple of, you know, jobs that are pretty demanding 
But if I'm like, hey, I feel like shit today. I'm not doing anything. I've never had one of them be like, no. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, so like that is it's, I think if you are going to work for other people, it's really important to have people like if, you, if you're working for people and you get a gig for somebody and it's really common to get these gigs when you first start trying to get side hustles because you're trying to you're starting to learn who to tolerate and who not to tolerate because that's what it is. And I'm telling people who are interested in doing this, do not tolerate asshole people. Do not yeah. tolerate, you know, excessive drunks and drug addicts that are like wishy-washy and go back on their word. Like, don't tolerate bullshit. Don't tolerate, like, if you have a job where, like, you're working remotely and you have to suddenly take a day off and they can't understand you know, you shouldn't be working with them because life happens, you know, life happens at the worst of times, uh, most of the time. And like, it's real important to be like, have people that you work with be understanding. Yes, I agree. Let's see. So, um, how, how many side hustles do you have going on right now? Do you want to talk about any of the other ones? Okay, I mean, okay, so I have side hustles, and then I have pending side hustles, uh, and then I have, like, future, future hustles. Okay, so, like, the current side hustles, like, I'm essentially the web guy for Anarchapulco, and I build WordPress websites, you know, quick and cheap for anybody who needs them, basically. I just built one for an agorist school in Texas, actually. Um called green but um then there's the crochet i'll sell basically any art of mine that i produce and people say they want to buy and that i can ship for a reasonable price i'm considering stopping shipping plushies because like the prices have gone up and i was eating that cost anyway and it's just like it's a little excessive although i might not because it brings a lot of joy to the customers who get them so like who knows yeah. Um, so my side of parts of my side hustle are less profitable than others. Um, a, a, a pending one is the circus arts. The more I'm looking into that, the more I'm realizing you get, if you want to go and join the circus, like people, when I was a kid, people touted like going off to join the circus as this horrible lifestyle and you're going to live in squalor and you're not going to make any money. Um, the people that I follow that even just like basic circus are booked for the next two and a half years, living their best life, traveling around the world, performing, doing fun shit. So that might be a hustle. I'm doing my first show. I don't think I'm getting paid for this show. It's just with my school, but I'm doing a show next month on the 10th and getting a taste for essentially performing i'm gonna start performing at anarchapulco and stuff like that who knows maybe i'll start performing at liberty events doing a circus thing or maybe i'll start an agorist circus well right now it's kind of like yeah because right now you're kind of like investing in a future side hustle because there's always that period where you're kind of learning and honing your skills anyway so you're kind of doing that now which you enjoy so it's not even like work or anything you know no it's it's what I do to make myself feel like a kid 
But, like, the more I get into it and the better I become, the more, like, it's like, no, this is something I could do for money and really enjoy it if I want to. Like, I am mm-hmm. seriously considering when I get my legal situation fixed, which will happen eventually, I'm thinking about trying out for Cirque du Soleil and seeing if I can travel around the world for a few years. Because Dude, that'd be awesome. You know, I want you to come back to the U.S. for selfish reasons, you know, but... <laughs> I mean, I, I think I'm eventually going to come back, but is it going to take me five years, ten years? Who knows? But I think I will eventually come back for a visit. Um, another future side hustle is, well, I guess I'll I'll mention a little the docu series because there has been being wit- whisperings of it with its old name, so I can use its old name. But Stateless Documentary is coming out soon in a big way. I can't say anything more than that. Um, I mentioned this because I've been talking about writing a book about mostly over the last three years, how the fuck I pulled myself out of, you know, all of that murder craziness um, that, that happened in 2019. So it's like, ideally, I would find a way to get my legal situation fixed and then get a big fucking book deal considering the way in which all of this stuff is coming out. Um, Who knows? But that's essentially going to be a big, like, pro-agorist, here's how to, you know, live off the run in Mexico type of thing. Um, And then another future one is glassblowing. I I did glassblowing before, and then I lost everything after the murder, and I am just, like, $200 away from plugging in my setup again i have to get a special plug installed that can handle my kiln but i'm real close real close to being glass blowing again so it's like i just add hustles as i can as they come up and as i have the money for them (laughs) also like for any of our listeners who may be interested in breaking away from the nine to five and getting more into the agorist lifestyle like what are some of the biggest challenges that you face, like, or just like the top challenge that you face doing that? Well, like I said, the, really the top challenge was that abusive relationship that I mentioned. It was, it, it, it hindered me from doing all the things that I cared about. And it made a lot of people think I was an unreliable, unreliable person because I would take on a lot of things. This is my nature but I couldn't keep up with any of them because all of my energy was going into that relationship. That's the biggest hurdle. It's going to be people around you. And if it's not like a shit relationship, it's going to be a mom telling you that you should be working a real fucking job or something like that. And most people, yeah, (laughs) yeah, it's getting easier, especially with the internet and everything. But like most people, when you tell them that you live off of side hustles, they kind of pity you, you know, I'm like, which is a shame because it could be really lucrative. Like I don't even have a bank account, so I'm kind of limited by how much I can make. But even I make really good money, you know, just doing things that I like for co- companies and people that I like. So like, and then, like, the, the second thing is, like, to lean into interest, and that was somewhat hard for me because I was not sure how to make money off of my art, you know. It was, I grew up under, like, people saying, you know, you have to go to school to have to be successful 
nobody makes money as an artist at all. You know, it's a, it's a failure thing. But if I had had somebody that told me that I could fucking make it as an artist, I probably would not have gone through all the shit that I went through, like self-esteem wise. And you know what I mean? Yeah. That's <laughs> like school itself is so ridiculous for kids. Self-esteem, school itself, like putting them up against problem. each other and all of that, like competition for learning and air quotes there. Yeah. And basing their words yeah, on some arbitrary grade that their teacher gave them, yeah. you know? Exactly. And like, I had, I, I, all I remember of school was like that it, it was harder to retain the information than for me than it was for everybody else. And that I finished things too quickly. And every fucking teacher I had told me I got shit done too fast. And that I needed to slow down. I but that it works still. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And like the, the worst, that's one of the biggest things that I've had to unlearn is because I'm meant to do things quickly and like, you know, have friends that can check my work for mistakes because that's how like I, I get shit done quick and dirty for Anarchapoco's website. I show them and they go, oh, change this, change this, change this, you know. I'm not meant to slowly and methodically work through one task. It's like chaos in one direction until I get bored and then it gets split into another direction. And I, this, the way schooling works, it just doesn't facilitate that. And I think the only reason that I had any, like, any self-esteem to pull myself out of that was because of the high school librarian that I had, um, who we call Rez. And she is... She's also a big part of why I'm in Agra. She was trying to get me to read Anne Rand when I was in high school. And then when I when I couldn't get into it, she was just like, you know, you'll get into it one day and you'll understand. <laughs> it's like, <Based>. whoa. <laughs> yeah, you, you need people like that in your life and in the school system. And sadly, she's not in the school system anymore. And she quit because they didn't want her to be the librarian that was spread in anarchy anymore. They uh, wanted her to be a fucking teacher and they wanted her to teach a specific way. And she was not about it. So she so she finally retired. <laughs> well, I've um, read a few John Taylor Gatto books and. They were really good, and I think he was kind of like the same thing. A lot of people, you know, weren't happy with the way that he was teaching. So it was kind of, I wouldn't say, you know, I don't know. A lot of people don't pay attention to things he say that, you know, part of the system. But just He's having, a big part of why I moved up this way, too, because I found him and the, the ultimate history lesson. I don't know if you guys have listened to that, but, like, that yeah. shit is why I dropped out of college. <laughs> Is John Taylor Gatto and School Sucks Project and Tragedy and Hope podcast. Yeah, I would have saved a lot of time and money if I had somebody to teach me about agorism, you know, when I was younger. But <laughs> we'll get there. Yeah, I, and it's interesting because, like, I meet a lot of people who are a lot older than me that are just figuring this out. And, like... You know, when I first moved to Mexico, they were all telling me I was lucky and everything. And, like, my life circumstances in general had me a hard time seeing how I'm lucky. But, like, looking back, like, when I was 18 and freaking out about the fact that I didn't understand how the world worked and when I discovered agorism and stuff and decided I was going to jump in, I thought I was behind. 
I was like convinced that if I had found that when I was like 12, I would be like the ultimate agorist and have no life problems. But now that I'm like almost 30, having lived this way for as long as I have, now I'm like, ah, okay. (laughs) One, have patience for the process because it happens very slowly. And two, like it's always worth it, I think, if you have this inclination because not everybody has the inclination to live off of side hustles and to have to adjust when markets change to what people want you know yeah that's true and like I just try to look at like maybe going to college like maybe I'm not doing anything with my degree and maybe I wasted a lot of time and money but there's still a lot that I learned from it and you know kind of helped me see where other people are coming from you know Yeah, honestly, college taught me what I didn't want, you know, like, I think if I had not gone to college, I'd be always like, what if, what if, but like, I went there, I saw that I was basically paying for the same fucking level of education I was getting in high school, only I had to pay for it. And I had to live with people that I fucking hated in the dorms because, yeah, I mean, Kent State, the women that go there. That's all I have to say. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, college was a little bit different for me. Um, So I got a chem degree, but I still don't like use it in any technical sense. Like I'm not employed as a chemist, but I use it like at home and stuff. Yeah. I was going for botany. So like, obviously not like, in botanist scientist, but my house is filled with plants from the shit that I learned over the years. Not in schooling, oddly enough. Like all the shit that I learned illegally growing things, you know. Right, and, yeah. And legally. And then like there's the fact that ninety percent of the information that you learn in college is available for free. Like yeah, I would when say I started to realize there's that. some of it that you get like from experiences there that you wouldn't get from just watching a video but most of the things that you learn in college you can learn online for free yeah it's that that was the big thing like I started trying to learn like random things I tried learning programming for a little while and stuff like that but like once I realized you could basically learn anything online how to do anything I was like, what the fuck am I paying for? Like, (laughs) why? (laughs) The information is so much better and more free and on my schedule. And like, I learned everything I learned for crochet from Pinterest and YouTube. I took no classes. Like, I teach myself new circus stuff on Saturdays and Sundays are my trapeze days. And I just sit in a corner by myself as a self-oiled learning machine teaching myself trapeze sequences. But, like... Well, now, once you become a circus artist, you can crochet your own whimsical costume. Well, yeah. I've already been trying to figure (laughs) out... Like, I don't currently have the time to for the show coming up in a month. But I'm planning at performing at Anarchapulco next year. Even if I can't get a portable setup the way our stage is built, I can rig from that stage. And if and if I can't, we can pay the dude to make it so I can rig from that stage. So, like, I'm going to do something interesting for that. I don't know what yet, but, like, 
And another side hustle with the circus thing that I might start doing, and I just haven't gotten the time, is like um, essentially tie-dyeing fabrics, silks, and selling them. I know a lady that does it in the U.S., and she charges like $300, which is like three times what most people in the U.S. charge for the same fabric, but not as pretty. So... Yeah, dude, you know, there's money in, like, fiber better. art like that. We have these, like, dyed yeah. wool things in our house that my grandma had, and I always liked them, and she had to move, you know, she you gave them to me. I think you sent photos of those to me. Yeah, they were, like, they were, like $6,000 for some dyed fabric, you know, dyed wool fabric things. They're awesome. I love them. Dag hates them, but... <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that. I think that's awesome. Yeah, so. Tie-dyeing silks, that'd be cool. Yeah. Like, I wish you could have 20, like, more than, more hours in the day is what I'm trying to say without, without drugs of some kind. (laughs) Because, like, without caffeine or, like, stronger things, it's just not feasible to do things more than a certain number of hours in the day. And that's currently my biggest life problem is too many ideas and of things that I know would sell and not enough time to execute them. I agree. Dag's getting, I think, mad at me because I'm spending too much time now doing <laughs> my projects. And I need to prioritize some of them. Yeah, it can be hard when you're first figuring out, like, because, like, when you first start to dedicate more time, you know, like, things that you thought you might like putting a lot of time into. Like, I thought I was going to fucking love the kombucha hustle. I got real tired of that really quick because it's a lot of work for not a lot of money in Mexico. Like it's probably mm-hmm. a better hustle in the United States. And like, you know, there are certain things that I thought like that I would like more certain things that, you know, like I didn't think I'd like doing the WordPress stuff as much and everything I know from WordPress, I've literally taught myself from Google searches to become somebody that builds beautiful WordPress websites. You just need to know Google and that's it. Know how something, to Google things. Go ahead. Something you said. Um, oh, I just had a brain. Fart. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. So, learning all these things, maybe you realize that there it's not something that you want to turn into a side hustle, but you got value even just from learning that thing. You know. So now, whenever exactly. you want kombucha, you can make that for yourself as opposed to, you know, going out and buying some. So it's still very valuable to learn all these things if it's something that you enjoy or you'll use you know yeah i think it's always worthwhile to learn new things in general too because you never know what's gonna like really light a fire under your ass like i like like the circus stuff i've been doing it just over a year and i like i've seen videos of people doing silks and stuff but i was always like no way I could handle that. My hips can't handle it. My back can't handle it. Cause I do have like hip and back problems. They're currently my biggest fucking hurdle in silks. I got mm-hmm. no back bend, but like it's, it's one of the things that surprises me most about where I am now, because when I went in there, I thought I was going to be fucking discouraged and that I was going to hate it and be mad that I felt stupid, you know, but like, it wasn't that way. So I suggest that people always try things, even if you think that you might fail and look like a fucking idiot. Like you never know what you're going to end up becoming obsessed with and what might become your next hustle. Yeah. I remember that was like one of the very first conversations that Ray and I had was like, 
the things that we want to do, it just sometimes it seems like it's so much or such a huge hurdle. And then like you get over it and you do it and you're like, man, that wasn't nearly as hard as I thought it was going to be. It's like, that's one of the things that we want to encourage all of our listeners to do is to just try, try things. Yeah. Especially if it's something that you saw once and was like, I don't think I could do it, but it would be fucking cool if I could. I have news for everybody. I sucked at everything that I am good at to start. Like those headbands I mentioned, the headband had no stretch to it. The first one that I made mm-hmm. and like constricted my head because it was, I made it too small. I made it for oh. a head without dread. So it like, but like I wore that thing for a while. It worked and it inspired me to keep working, you know? So like, the first thing you're going to do of anything is going to be fucking stupid and embarrassing. And that's just how it is. And like school, they essentially like brainwash us into thinking we have to figure out things. Well, the first time if we're going to do it and that's just, that's not how it goes. Most of the time when we do something we like, especially if it's something we've always wanted to try, we generally fuck it up because we're nervous. <laughs> yeah. No actual right. we reflection on, uh, of whether or not. Yeah. Yeah. When we were on the Goropod, that's what uh, Sec was saying. Remember mm-hmm. about um, everybody sucks at something till they're good at it. Something like that. Yep. You're right. That, exactly. that whole like nervous aspect of it, you know, because I, I, getting over that is key, but you only get that with doing it a few times, you know, so it's just a matter of what yeah, you that, give up that's or definitely keep going. True. Part of why I never like got a physical routine or like went to the gym is because the, the social aspect of being awkward and not knowing what I'm doing was so big that it would keep me from doing things. Like part of why I am where I am with this is because I found a gym that is like, they're, they're very much like come meet us where you are. And like, I've learned a lot watching my teacher teach that I've been trying to get my boyfriend in the circus arts. He came to one class mm-hmm. and he, he had that feeling of like, Oh, I feel stupid. I don't want to do this. And he didn't go to any more classes, but like I've been getting him to do it at home in small amounts where I'm correcting him, not making fun of him. And now he's able to do some positions and stuff. And it's like considering coming to class to like, even if you try it the first time and it goes fucking horribly and you're fucking nervous, find a different way to do it if you have to. But like, it still might be something you really enjoy. Oh, a couple silks. Then Amanda just has to get Larkin to do it with her, and you guys can I have mean, a silk foursome. <laughs> I mean, exactly. It would be hilarious to see yeah, Larkin on, or like Larkin on a trapeze. Like I, I, I like to think that trapeze is more masculine of all the arrow dance equipment, and like I think he could do, I think he could do well on a trapeze. That's funny. You can totally <laughs> see him doing that. <laughs> Ideally, though, I do want to start some sort of, like, circus long-term. I want to bring circus classes to Anarchapulco. I want... I'm, I'm trying to bring, like, real circus performers to Anarchapulco. Because, like, this city, I've met quite a few, like, like Cirque du Soleil status, but they're Mexicans. Um, and I'm trying to get, like, a Cirque du Soleil-style show with them at Anarchapulco next year and have one of the parties be a circus We'll see. 
But like, these are my plans. (laughs) Awesome. So I have one more question, but did you have any more questions, Resonance? You step out. Resonance. She might have. Can you? Sorry, I'm here. I'm I'm back. I did have to step away for a minute. What, oh, okay. what was the question? <laughs> no, I was say I was gonna say I have one more question. But did you have any more questions you wanted to ask? Um, no, I think that well, you answered the other one that I had in the answer to the last one that I asked. So, okay. so the most important question that are listeners are dying to know well, at least i am what is your favorite cactus oh i mean shit <laughs> that's a hard one <laughs> okay so there it's probably between two if i'm being honest one is well, peyote so. because there's something magic about it and then the other one is probably just the regular prickly pear nopal and I think it's just because it's like, it's what everybody thinks of when they see cactuses. Mexico is filled with them. And like when they get, like they get big full tree sizes here. And like, oh yeah, they grow here in Florida. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like there are full, like full trees of these fucking things. Some of them like out in the country look like they're hundreds of years old. And I just want to buy one of those properties and clean up the property and like clean up around the cactuses and, you know. Well, they are super easy to propagate. I like I had got like still one pad for my mom's and it was like not taken very good care of. And I just stuck it in a pot and it grew like amazingly fast. Then I take little pads off and I just keep multiplying them so you can have so many prickly pears. Yeah, I, I, I brought, one, I brought, yeah, sorry. I brought one paddle home from a hike when I was, when I was still single, like three years ago, I like was hiking a lot. And one day I just picked up a paddle and brought it home. And like, by the time I got it home, my fingers were filled with those, like the super short spines that it has because mm-hmm. there's long ones. And then there's the short little hair like ones. Mm-hmm. But like, I just stuck it in a pod and then like forgot about it for like two months. And then I go and I look at it and realize, oh, it's growing. Well, now the thing, like this year it's growing nine paddles, which is wow. like, yeah, it's a little tree. It's the one that I based my tattoo off of. But yeah, it's probably mm-hmm. Nepal or peyote. Like, I really like the more exotic ones, but if we're being real of the ones that, like, are close to my heart, it's those ones. Oh. That's so sweet. It, like, my daughter, we, she was born in Arizona, and she, my oldest one, and she loves cactuses, and she loved them. Cacti, however you want to say it. She loved them when she was little, and her second birthday was a cactus theme, and we used to go to the botanical gardens all the time, so sweet there. Yeah, yeah, I love cactus. And she's going to end up with a big garden eventually. Tell her to move to Mexico, and she'll be in heaven, because that's the one thing that I love about this country. It doesn't matter where you go in this country, doesn't matter what climate in this country, because there are a lot of climates within Mexico, like cooler climates and stuff. There's cactus everywhere, everywhere. Mexicans are proud of their cactuses, and that makes me proud to be here, basically. <laughs> They're just so happy. Like, I just want to put happy faces on all of them. Just like, hey, give me a hug. Well, were there like a sign of like resistance? And like, for me, the cactuses 
you know, like they can thrive with very little. And, you know, it's the interesting thing about cactus is also like you can touch the thorns, you know, in a Mm non-aggressive way and not get cactus spines in you. I touch my cactuses all the time, but like, you know, they're kind of like me in that, like, you know, if you, you come about me the right way, cool. But if you come at me aggressively, I'm going to fucking stab you. you That's right. So I I just identify with them in that way. And they're just a symbol of strength. So I think that's the thing that's most about them. They're stabby. (laughs) Most of them. Peyote, though, aren't stabby. That's how you know they're peyote. No spines. Oh, I didn't know that. That's the yeah, there's buttons, a, the buttons or whatever. Yeah, and there's a plant that looks with the yeah, it's like a little squishy button. And there's one that looks very similar from Peru and it's called false peyote. But if you ever see something that looks like peyote but it's got thorns coming off of it, it's a false peyote. Alright. Yep. I have one of those too. <laughs> cool. Do you wanna um tell our audience where they can find you or plug anything? Um, my website is where I can be found, although I haven't updated it because I'm too busy updating other people's websites. Mm-hmm. It's highlyfunctionalgrowth.com. And then, like, I'm on social media as Lily Forrester or Highly Functional Growth. I think that's, or I think my TikTok is Lily Divine. I don't remember, but if you want to follow the circus stuff, that's where you can follow that. Um, yeah i'm on facebook a lot though oddly enough so like you can contact me there and ask me questions or buy things mm. residents you want to put your handle out there yeah if you guys want to find me i'm on twitter at mother of chaos and that's chaos with an x and i am at e underscore agorist on twitter keep making shit see you next week <laughs> <laughs>